Hello, I'm glad to be with you again. Well, we had seen in our, our last time in our study of that first chapter of the book of Genesis, that God had worked for a consecutive six days to restore the ruined material creation. Remember, ruined because of Satan's sin. Uh, and in this six days, we can plainly see that God's work was not finished on day one. We'd seen that day one began with the light shining in the darkness. Genesis 1.8 told us, and God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. In verse 13, the evening and the morning were the third day. In verse 19, the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Verse 23, the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And then in verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And although God never went back to deal with anything from day one again, the work that was done on that day continued in its completed form throughout the next five days. But that which God had determined to do, to restore the ruined earth so that it could be ruled over by man, was not completed until the end of day six. And this is a detail of paramount importance which we'll come back to at a later point. It's so vital that we understand and we see that it took this whole six days that God had decided to set in place in order to complete the restoration that he wanted to do. Could he have done it in one day? Well, God being God, yes, of course, he could have done that. But what we see from the scriptures is that he chooses to work through six days which is then to be followed by a seventh day of rest, a day when rulership was supposed to take place. And of course, God's plans and purposes never change with regards to this. So it's vitally important that we understand this and to see this and to grasp hold of it. And of course, we had also seen that God had created Adam to rule and that it was not good for Adam to be alone. He needed a helper comparable to him. So we might ask ourselves the question, a helper to do what? Well, quite simply, to do that for which Adam was created, to help him to rule. And God has established then from the very beginning that there must be a man and a woman in a marriage relationship to rule in the seventh day. This is there from the beginning. These are foundational truths that God has set in place that cannot ever be changed. They must always be that way and must always continue to be that way. And then we can read in Genesis 2.21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And again, we'll take note of the detail here in these verses that we have just read as it will be so important for us to remember them later. But let's firstly note that Adam is put into a deep sleep. And once in this deep sleep, 
his side is opened. And with his side open, God takes one of his ribs and literally builds a woman from the rib. And what we're going to note here, and please note this very carefully, the woman is a part of Adam's body, but she's not all of his body. And there is a separate work that takes place by God in order to build the woman that takes place after Adam had been put into a deep sleep. And with this in mind, let's just look at these verses from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Well, verse 31 in Ephesians chapter 5 quotes directly from Genesis 2.24, showing the connection that there is between the two. And then Ephesians 5.32 says that what is being dealt with here is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. In Adam and the woman, then, we find a picture of Christ and the church. And we're going to come back to this later, but take time to think this through on your own, if you would. Go back to what we have just looked at from Genesis and see what this teaches us about Christ and the church. Well, Adam and the woman then are created to rule in the seventh day. But while we're still in the sixth day, there is an encounter with Satan described as a serpent, the earth's original ruler in the garden, the Garden of Eden. And as we'd seen last time, this encounter takes place between the serpent and the woman. So why is that? And why does Adam knowingly and intentionally eat the fruit when his wife gave it to him? Well, we had seen last time that because of the way God has established things with regards to rulership, it's not good for man to be alone. The man could not rule on his own apart from his wife. And she was now disqualified from ruling because of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree that God said they were not to eat from. So that being the case, how could that disconnect then between Adam and his wife ever be rectified so that they could rule? The woman had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree she was told not to eat from. And the moment she did that, sin, sin entered into the picture. And at that moment, there was a disconnect, a separation between her and her husband, the husband who had not yet eaten from the fruit of the tree. And that sin separated them, and because of it, rulership could not then take place. Well, if we deal with things, first things first, why is Satan in the garden? Well, he's there for only one reason, to bring deception and disqualification to the man and the woman, so that he, Satan, could continue to rule, which he has done ever since. We'll remember that... Uh, principle that's established within scripture that those who are going to replace the present ruler have to not only be present but be proven worthy to do so 
And of course, we see here with the woman that uh, she has been deceived by the serpent. And as a result of that, she is not worthy to rule. The rulership has gone from her, leaving her separated from her husband, which only leaves one conclusion. The one who was the original ruler, Satan, even though himself disqualified, must continue to rule until eventually those found worthy are there to replace him. And for us to understand knowingly why Adam ate the fruit and how the situation between him and his wife was reconciled, we just need to go to the scriptures. But interestingly, we don't go to the Old Testament scriptures for this. We need to go to Romans 5.14, which tells us Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Did you note the words there? Did you see that? Adam is a type of Christ. So when Christ came to the earth at his first advent, he found those who could be his wife, if we think about it, us in this picture, dead in trespasses and sins. And to rectify this situation, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Christ took our sin upon himself, just as Adam took the woman's sin upon himself. And Christ did this for the purpose of redemption. And so did Adam, Genesis 3.21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So Adam as a type of Christ, what happens with Christ having to become sin to redeem those who would be his wife, this is exactly what we see happening with Adam. And if you've ever gone down the road of thinking that Adam was a bad person because of what he did and he should never have eaten the fruit and everything would have been fine, that's utter nonsense. Adam had to eat that fruit because he's a type of Christ. Christ had to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. The type and what we call the anti-type, Adam and Christ, those two pictures fit together identically. So Adam could not rule apart from his wife and his wife could not be redeemed apart from Adam as they were one flesh. And because of the way that God has established rulership for man from the beginning, Christ cannot rule apart from having a wife. And those who will make up his wife could not be redeemed apart from him. It takes us right back to those verses we read just a little bit earlier from Ephesians 5. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Well, if the Lord is willing, we'll come back to this next time and continue then. Until then, God bless you all. Goodbye.